It's time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, she is here. And boy, oh boy, are we so happy about it. You know, you know, Princess Di, one of your subjects is quite unhappy with you. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I need you to clear this up because she has a question for you. And, and the question came not just from me, but it was in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. She wants to know, why do you have such a lack of compassion? Why are you so mean-spirited when it comes to student debt? How come you don't care about our student debt? You're supposed to be the queen of the people. Why don't you care? Why have you no compassion, woman? Have you no shame? How dare I? Yeah, how dare you is right. Well, this is not directed to me, despite the way you framed it. This is directed to all of us who are saying, wait a minute, at the president's and the Democrat Party's desire to get rid of by erasing student debt, loans that people signed on the bottom line and took out loans to to purchase a service, which may not be worth much, but that's not our fault. And that is a college education. And now they are basically pleading that why should they have to pay it back? And so this um, columnist, Christine Emba, she's also a Washington Post editor, uh, is asking that question of us who are believers in paying one's own debt. Why do we have such a lack of compassion for people who don't want to pay back their loans? (laughs) It's just the thing that's interesting to me about this column and all of the rhetoric surrounding this issue is the religious language they use. In fact, the term student loan forgiveness. I mean, they, they import all of the terms and the thinking of Christianity or Judeo-Christian belief that they hate, but yet they want to have the assets of those religious beliefs, forgiveness. And she says, Americans have displayed a growing or the needs of their fellow citizens. And she frames it as such a religious act, which is basically to be charitable and to give and to allow these people who don't want to pay back their debts to to do so by taking on their debts ourselves. And so the thinking is so amazing that it is so poorly reasoned that they have to borrow our terminology on the believer side. The the rest of that quote, I mean, this quote blew my mind. You, You started that quote. Americans have displayed a growing unwillingness to consider the needs of their fellow citizens either to slightly inconvenience themselves for another's sake or simply let good things happen for others without demanding something for themselves. So can you imagine applying that sentence to the abortion question? And that is the thing. You basically asked me to talk about two different subjects. One, this this article on, on student debt and also an abortion quote, which we'll get to, I hope. Yeah, we will. And just opposing those two articles together, it is just a remarkable display of how they use this language for one question where they're demanding money from taxpayers and law-abiding citizens. And then on the other hand, their lack of compassion 
for the child growing in the womb. And they never apply that same rhetoric that they use on their demand side to the value of life. Now, let's move to that other article, which is an article from 2008, Stop These Abortions. And this talks about uh, our former president. This is one one article where he talks about the former president, uh, uh, the ability of Obama to thread the needle between their own support of abortion rights and their constituents' opposition can be determinative. And uh, blah, 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 how deftly Obama handled the question on a, on a – th- this blew my mind. Why don't you pick it up from here? Yes, it was listening to your wonderful show yesterday, which is, you know, a must listen every day at four o'clock, the rush hour. You were talking about the irresponsibility at the bottom of the question and that abortion separates sex from consequences. And it reminded me of this Obama quote from um, 2008. And let me read you the quote. Look, I got two daughters, nine years old and six years old. I'm going to teach them first about values and morals. But if they make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby. And that quote grew a, a firestorm at the time. But that reflects the, the leftist thinking about pregnancy. And I went back and I looked at all of the articles on the left talking about pregnancy and the fetus, which is what they use, as a parasite or an alien. And that was the language that I saw on social media from the left when they were so outraged that the Roe v. Wade may be reversed. Their anger and bitterness and fury and how they spat, you know, at the idea of carrying a child. And, and that was so shocking to me that, I, you know, I had forgotten that this language has been part of their repertoire for many, many years. I have to mention a 1984 book, Abortion Practice, by abortionist Warren Hearn, who is at 83 still practicing in Boulder, Colorado, he will do a third trimester abortions. But in 1984, he said the relationship between the female and the fetus can be understood best as one of host and parasite. And that is the view of the left. They all agree that humans are parasite on Mother Earth because they believe in in overpopulation. And so they also believe that each child, well, they won't say child, but each fetus is an alien and that the the host has a right, quote unquote, to evict said alien. So so we are dealing with a mindset that is truly evil because it dehumanizes humans and also because it is 100 percent self oriented. It is motherhood is known for selflessness and sacrifice, but this abortionist view is known for self-serving and as you say, don't want to inconvenience yourself. Well, here's what I also think. Um I think that we I we have the articles that I referred to earlier from the New York Times, the country isn't ready for the end of Roe v. Wade. Why not? We we weren't ready for the beginning of it, yet you you guys on the left thrust it upon the country anyway. And so what do you think, what what happens when this, if this, see, here, let me tell you what I think first. And just, here's what I think. I think these people blew it again. 
I think they blew it by leaking out this decision because. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. When the decision actually comes, it's going to be anticlimactic. You know, yeah, we knew. We knew that back in April. Tell us something we don't know. We knew that in early May that this was Roe Ro v. Wade was going away. So all this theater that they're having now, all these protests, all this yammering and yapping and nipping at the heels and frothing at the mouth, they're doing it already now. What are they going to do, round two, when the decision comes out in June or July? Okay, but by November, certainly, this is not news anymore. This has happened. And guess what? Women will still be getting abortions in America. They'll be getting abortions by pills. They'll be going to states that say, like New York and California, please come here and have your abortion because we want as many dead babies as possible in our state. And so women will still be getting abortions. And this will not be the issue in November that Democrats think it will. Okay, you. Yes, you are absolutely right. I think they've blown it because their thinking is frozen back in the 70s when Roe v. Wade was decided. And they are unaware that the country, due in large part to the quiet and sometimes vocal work of the pro-life community, that the country is not where it was when this was decided. This has been persuasion on the part of the pro-life movement over many decades. And so, you know, the when the Virginia race was also, they tried on the left uh, by Terry, what is his last name? The Democrat uh, McAuliffe. nominee. McAuliffe. He tried to make this a voting issue, and it wasn't. The, the country is, you know, really one third of the population is vocal pro-abort. And, you know, that is the voices that they still talk to each other. They're not aware that they've lost the vast majority of people who do want some restrictions on abortion. So I think they blew it in that they froze in their mind where the debate was in the 70s. And they don't understand that the ground shifted beneath them in some part because of technology and some and that people see the child, you know, in the womb. This used to be invisible to people. They would see the outside of a growing belly, but they didn't see what was going on inside. Only people of faith did, saw that with spiritual eyes. But now people are well aware of the actual human being in there. And I think that the left has misjudged where the country is yet again, and this outcome is not going to be what they expect, which is a good thing. Wow, and I hope that that comes to pass. Thank you, Princess Di, as always. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. Now, you have some family obligations next week, and so we won't be having you next week unless we do it very early in the week, so we'll try to get you very early in the week. But I just don't want anybody to get alarmed next week when they say, where's my princess? Where's my princess? <laughs> She's out taking student loans from people. That's where she is. <laughs> Give me that damn loan. 
Now, I am don't not pay your bills. Anyone either. Don't pay your bills or go to debtor's prison. <laughs> oh, thank you. Go Jason. to the tower. Go to the tower. <laughs> it's always wonderful talking to you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so Princess much. Di. We'll see you later. <laughs>